Okay, so today doesn't really need an introduction because Corey is back just for today to tell her birth story, to tell us about coming home. Um, We're going to meet Teddy Quinn via Zoom and introduce her to you guys again. Um, Welcome to Hi, My Name is Mom. Corey is back. We are wives, entrepreneurs, entertainers, executives, and at the end of the day, we are all moms. All at the same time and never in the same order. (laughs) This is Hi, My Name is Mom, a podcast about motherhood. Here are your hosts, Jen, Corey, and Kayla. How's it been just adjusting to three? Uh, Three is like seven more than two. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it feels. But really, it's great. Um, We really got thrown into the deep end on the three kid thing because we had a whole snow week here in Nashville. So we had, my kids were out of school an entire week plus a Monday. That was a lot in the house at one time when I was still in the very early stages of recovering from a C-section. So that was probably the hardest part is that I want to go play with my boys, but they're really not self-aware enough to not kick me in my gut. Yeah, (laughs) And then she was just super tiny, way tinier than my boys. She's a little six pounds, 13 ounces. And my boys were both like about eight and a half pounds. So she just seemed so tiny and vulnerable to me. It was like self-protection for my own, you know, recently sewed up uterus. And then also feeling protective of her because the boys adore her and they're so sweet with her. But also like Bash might accidentally, you know, do some karate kick into her face, like just completely not realizing it. You know, Bash has actually been the one who's really impressed me because he's enamored with her. He's like super gentle with her. And he's like, mommy, I'll hold her. You know, like when I'm getting, he thinks I'm just going to hand her to him. I'll take her mommy. I mean, he's so cute. It's when he's It's when he doesn't realize he's flailing around or he's crawling up to sit next to us and he does this like swing around circle, you know, in both legs. I'm like protecting her, (laughs) putting up a little shield. So it's it's not that he's not gentle with her. It's more Rad who was like, oh, hey, Teddy, and wanting to poke her in the face and stuff. So... (laughs) Kayla, I don't know if you guys talked about this already, but we haven't really totally gotten to talk about you bringing her home and how that was. Nothing. Yeah. Uh, We've been waiting. Yeah. Like birth and everything. The birth experience during COVID to me is so fascinating. Um, Like a C-section during COVID and then kind of all of that. How was that? It really wasn't that much different than having a baby. Otherwise Um, the hospital that we were at, I think the protocols are different for every hospital, but our hospital you're screened, but not tested. And anybody who's listened knows that Ty and I already had COVID um, back in December. And so I think at the very most, we would have had to show that we tested positive then. And then really, it's just masks. But the, you know, the pregnant women or new moms are not required to wear masks at all times. You know, I'm told that during labor, they don't want women to feel like they're suffocating inside of a mask. I wasn't required to wear a mask during surgery, although... I was so out of it. I got to look at pictures and see if I did. I think you had one on because that's one of the things I was curious about. Hold on. In fact, I can look because I'm pretty (laughs) sure I had one on, but they told me I could take it off if I needed to. And then when we were in our room, you basically just put it on if someone came inside. 
if someone mm. came in your room. And honestly, a lot of the nurses, they've had it and been vaccinated for it. So a lot of times someone would come in and I'd be, you know, nursing the baby or whatever. And they would go, hey, this is your room. We feel comfortable if you do, you know, so that that's your choice. Um, they were very kind about it. I was allowed to have one support person, which was Ty. And then our hospital had a cool thing where you can designate one other person to swap out during a shift. And so Ty went home to see the boys the day after she was born and my mom got to come and meet her. Oh, so that that's was so awesome. awesome. That's awesome that your mom could go in there. Yeah. I have to give so much credit to the hospital here in Nashville because as we talked about on the C-section episode, when we had Allison Overman talking about the issues with C-sections, I had some fears going in that gave me really high anxiety. I mean, I definitely was anxious about, if you guys remember, I had to have like five IV sticks last time. Yeah. I had that issue where my tongue went completely numb and I couldn't swallow. So I felt like I was choking and I felt like I was going to be this giant diva to be like, Hey, I seem to be a hard stick. I just want to let you know. But I felt so heard by the staff all across the board. The nurse who came in, you could tell it made her nervous that I was a hard stick, but she took like 10 minutes looking at my veins. And ultimately she said, this might not be the most comfortable place for you, but here's where I know I can get it in, in one shot. She do it in your hand. Mm-hmm. Poor thing. Like she had the, the, you know, the, what is it? The tourniquet like tied around my arm and she couldn't get the IV to flow. And I think it's cause she got nervous, but I was like literally breathing heavy. You know, IVs hurt anyway, but I'm not, a baby about needles. I'm not at all a baby about needles. When yeah. you tell someone that you're nervous, it makes them think maybe you're a baby about needles, I guess. They don't understand. It's, it's almost like PTSD. Like you've been stuck so much. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Um, and she had just, the only reason it wasn't flowing is she forgot to take the tourniquet off. And she's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So she got it in one stick. And then there was still a little bit of confusion about what caused my anesthesia issues last time. The head anesthesia doctor said, oh, that sounds like an IV thing, not a spinal thing. But then the anesthesiologist, oh my gosh, oh. she was so lovely she talked me through everything. She said that she looked at my chart from last time. She was going to dose me a little bit lower because she thinks that the spinal just got a little too high. And she did the thing Kayla talked about where this time, because of the PTSD, I started feeling like I never have, which is that it was crawling up so high on me and it was affecting my breathing. Well, then she got like the cold cotton ball and she needed to feel like she started out, she started on my face so I could feel it. And she was going up pretty high and I still couldn't feel it. And it got to like my neck and she's like, okay, you're good. You're totally fine. Oh my gosh. You got a cold cotton ball. They poked me with like a poker. Like a- <laughs> yeah, they did that to me too. <laughs> they were like, I was like, yep, I feel it. It was like a little needle. They just kept poking me. Tell us oh what you like, I'm sure they were doing that lower down. Um, yeah. She was great. And, you know, I'm always amazed by the nurses who hold you and literally bear hug you while you're getting a spinal or an epidural. I mean, this woman, it's COVID times and she had on a mask and she just wrapped her arms around me and she was so kind and just gave me the biggest hug and just said, take some deep breaths. And, you know, again, the spinal, for anybody scared of spinals, I actually don't think they're that big of a deal. The thing that's the most uncomfortable is getting the local anesthetic um, for before they get the spinal. And I'm just like, just don't look at the needle. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and then, yeah, everything went pretty smoothly. Um, she did have to go get monitored at the NICU, which I hated. I got to hold her for a minute or two right after she was born. Um, but like many C-section babies, she wasn't keeping her oxygen up quite enough. And so, you know, that's the worst. And I was like, is she okay? Is she okay? Even though I've been through that before, but she recovered really quickly. I mean, she was in my arms within about an hour. 
That's awesome. You know, during the C-section, it's so weird because you have this sheet. And you don't mm-hmm. know what's going on. And but then people are talking. And then my, my doctor goes, this is like the weirdest compliment I've ever received, you guys. My doctor's like, so your C-section might go really fast because there's like no fat here. There's like no layer of fat here, which I beg to differ now. If you looked at my belly, I'm like, you were lying because... <laughs> But then goes, there is there is a thick layer of abs here. And I'm like, are you saying my abs look awesome? Like I'm cut open. And this is like the weirdest compliment I've ever received. Were there any big changes that you made from baby number two to baby number three, like in terms of your birth plan and how you handled your hospital stay and all that? Uh, not a whole lot. Actually, the hospitals made changes. And I don't know if that's across the board just because of new research. But I was actually surprised at how much has changed in the past couple of years, uh, just in terms of, you know, they didn't, they used to bathe babies right away. Then it was, we're going to delay it a couple of hours. And now it's like, we're not going to bathe them for at least 24 hours. They've changed some of the medication protocols. So apparently a lot of hospitals have stopped using Percocet because they've just had adverse reactions. And so they're offering a different kind of oxy, which I declined. I just did ibuprofen and Tylenol from the get-go, and that's because of experience. I never felt like the Percocet helped that much. I don't really want to take anything stronger than I need to. I knew it was there as an option should the pain get bad, and they want you to get ahead of the pain, but I was like, no thanks. And they also have some kind of an um, anti-spasm cramping medication that they include now that I think probably helps with the uterine contractions that can be really painful. Nice. So there were a few things like that. Um, we were still able to, um, one of the big things that I've done differently with subsequent, subsequent preg- pregnancies is I'm okay with the baby going to the nursery so that I can rest. And that's something I refused to do with Radley. I was like, he will be by my side at all times. But those new days, you're so paranoid that it's really hard to rest because you feel like you need to make sure the baby's breathing all night. And we had... A scary incident the first night, which I understand now is very common, but the reason she had to go to the NICU and the reason that a lot of C-section babies, particularly planned C-sections where you don't go into labor, what happens is the babies don't get their adrenaline up. They're not getting the squeeze of labor. And so they're basically just asleep. And then all of a sudden they're in the world. So they're not doing that hard cry to clear out their lungs. They're not getting squeezed out of the cervix to kind of wring them out. And so they tend to just have a little more fluid in their lungs. So she was fine. She was brought back to us. But the first evening I was holding her and I was FaceTiming with my mom. And all of a sudden it looked like she spit up, but it was just a glunk of all this clear fluid. And she started choking on it and legit choking on it. Like I was like, oh my, I realized it wasn't like spit up when she just was going, (gasps) not getting a breath. So I popped her up, but I couldn't sit up with her. Because you can't use your abs. So I'm like, Ty, Ty, get her. I'm like, mom, I got to go. Ty gets her. He starts like back patting her and she's turning bright red. I push the call button and I'm like, we need some help in here. And Ty, I'm like, Ty, just go out there because the nurse's station is out there. So he steps into the hallway because we were really freaked out. I mean, my heart was racing because it, it had been too long since we had heard her catch a breath. So thank God for these nurses because... Our night nurse comes in just so calmly. She starts back patting her and suctioning her mouth. And then she was fine. And they said, like, this is really common. Here's here's a way to suction them. Because we suctioned noses all the time. But we hadn't been accustomed to needing to suction out literal lung fluid that she was spitting up. 
So really, she just did a bunch of backpacks and it wasn't an issue for them where they were like, call a doctor or get her to the NICU. They were super calm about it. But it made Ty and I feel like first time parents again because we were so terrified. And so we just said to the staff, we're going to stare at her all night, making sure that doesn't happen. So we're going to let you stare at her instead (laughs) and let the professionals have eyes on her. And then we hesitated to check out. I was only there two nights and was cleared to leave. And so was she. And we had the conversation where we were like, I don't even care if we seem high maintenance. We kept reiterating, here's what happened. She was legitimately choking will you please let the staff in the nursery know what happened? And of course, they're like, this happens all the time. Um, But we really did feel like those paranoid new parents. And even before we checked out, we asked to actually speak to the neonatal doctor. And we said, you know, our fear is that we need to stare at her all the time and just make sure she's okay. And she said, I would not send you home with her if you had to stare at her all the time. She is fine. Her lungs are clear now. She is totally healthy. um, And you don't have to worry about that anymore. But it was... It was really scary for us. Radley's had experience bringing a a little sibling home. So I want to know about him, but I'm really curious about Bash because (laughs) he was the one that we were kind of chatting about of how is he going to take on this big brother role? I've been so pleasantly surprised with Bash. Um, We brought her home on a Thursday evening. We, We just went to the hospital Tuesday and already Thursday afternoon, we're coming home. So, you know, I still felt very, very protective Oh my God. Then we brought her in in the car seat and Bash, who has mixed feelings about Loxley sometimes, (laughs) (laughs) it's almost like he knew this was his sister. I mean, he came right up. He was so gentle. He's like, oh, she's so cute. My baby Teddy. Meanwhile, Bash, a rat is like overly confident, like poking her in the cheeks and like seeing what he can get away with, you know, (laughs) (laughs) buddy, be a little gentle and Bash wants to hold her all the time. He goes, mommy, I just need to hold her by myself. I'll hold her again. And if you hand her to him, like he doesn't want to let go. And he's the one who, when he comes in from school, the first thing he does is go find his sister, check on Teddy. Uh, Rad's kind of indifferent. Like he'll come over and be like, oh, she's doing so good on tummy time. And he'll come over and bring her a toy or something like that. But Bash is enamored. He's like, Radley get bored with her. It's not even that he gets bored. He just, he's too busy. He's just like apathetic. Yeah, he's got too much. I mean, he loves her. He thinks she's super cute. He, you know, he had nicknamed her Steppy. So now he's shortened that to Steps. He's be like, he's like, hey, Steps. (laughs) Like he's got Minecraft to play. He's got Minecraft to play with. He's just, she's not that exciting to him. Whereas Bash, he's like, mommy, where's my baby? The teachers at school said now he started gravitating towards like the baby dolls and he'll be like, it's like my baby sister, Teddy. And so he really has embraced this big brother role. It's pretty, pretty sweet. When I was at your house the other day, he wanted to be like right next to you, but he still can't grasp that you're not like this strong powerhouse, like muscle mom, like (laughs) that you've always been his entire life. And so he was trying to like, have you pull him up on the chair, but he had to be right there. And And with Rad, you know, Bash really demands attention. Mommy, come sit here with me. Come do this puzzle. Put down your phone. I mean, he will really demand attention. Rad doesn't do that so much, but he does want attention in different ways. And he said to me a few nights ago, if I hadn't been over the baby blues already, this would have like ripped me to shreds. But fortunately, I kind of got over that hump at about a little over two weeks. But he said to me, I was in, I was just like helping him get ready for bed, which I haven't done much lately. You know, we had grandparents here helping and Ty's really been largely taking on a lot of what's done with the boys. 
And then mom, are you ever going to be able to like run again and do fun things like that? Cause to him, three weeks feels like a lifetime. And you know, yeah, I was yeah. slowed down by being super pregnant before that and having COVID and all of that. So to him, it just feels like so long since I've been able to run around with him in the way, cause I'm usually pretty like active mom. And I said, yeah, buddy, you know, I I'm recovering and I think in a few more weeks, I'll be able to do that. And he said, well, that's good. Cause, cause when you can't, it feels like you're just gone. And that is just a gut punch. And Oh, it is. And I was like, well, buddy, if I'm being honest with you, it feels like that to me too. Gosh, it's making me teary to talk about it. Um, But I told him, you know, do you think it's a lot of work or a little work to grow a whole baby and then, you know, go through surgery and recovery? He's like, I think it's a lot of work. And I'm like, yeah, I did the same thing when I had you. And it just takes a little bit of time. And honestly... Like just having that conversation and letting him know that his mom would be back, I think went a long way. And he actually was virtual the first day back to school and Bash was in school. So he and I kind of got a day to hang out and we went on a little Starbucks lunch date and we played and that's really all it takes is just a little bit of reconnection. But yeah, that was definitely, that was like hard to hear. Tell me a little bit more about um, baby blues because I've never actually experience postpartum depression. You guys know I've had postpartum anxiety, but I'm really curious, how did that present itself and what was that like? Yeah. I don't know if you guys had baby... Did you have baby blues at all, either of you? I did. Um, I don't think so. I felt there was, I will say, probably from about like two and a half weeks to... I want to say almost to like 13 weeks till I got my first period. I was having days where I felt like I was faking it sometimes where like, I just felt down. I was like, does she even love me? Does she even like, I I don't even know if that all goes into it, but yeah, I had that. Oh, I do remember you saying that actually. I do remember you going through that. Yeah. It's weird because you know, you're in the hospital and during, during the time when it's actually the hardest, I mean, some of the things you go through for anyone who hasn't gone through before, like some of it's just pretty intense and it's pretty, you feel pretty naked. Like, you know, quite literally and figuratively. I mean, the first time I was stood up to walk, I still had a catheter in. So you're trying to maneuver with the catheter. Your legs are shaky because you're getting over your legs being numb. And this nurse who's a stranger to you, I mean, you're basically sitting in a giant diaper and I stood up and she told me to just stand up out of the diaper that was on the bed. And I mean, I just stood up and just gushed out blood all over my feet, my socks, the floor, my legs. It was just a waterfall. And this nurse just calmly walks me to the bathroom as I'm leaving a trail of blood. And then you basically sit on the toilet and she helps you wash yourself off and clean yourself up and put on mesh panties and all these other things. And you really couldn't feel, you know, there's blood clots and there's just a lot of really gross, intense stuff that's normal, but it's like, you've never really experienced something like that before. Um, you know, until you've, and I've, I've only had C-sections and I know it's similar, but some different, different things happen if you have a vaginal birth, but it's really intense, but you're going through all that and you're in pain. And you're also in this like blissful mode because all you really care about is this baby, you know, and, and bonding with the baby and, uh, making little noises. I love those. The weird thing is that you would think that would be your lowest low. And it's not, it's really the baby blues are more of like a hormonal crash where you've had this intense amount of progesterone and estrogen in your body to grow a child. And then it basically just zeroes out 
uh, largely, you know, a few days after childbirth. And so it's a hormonal crash. And so it usually sets in in the first week, I believe. Um, and we, we've talked about having, you know, a, a true expert on to talk about this because it's out of the scope of our knowledge, you know, but I actually dug into the research again, just so I could understand what I was feeling because I had it pretty intensely with rad followed by postpartum anxiety. And then I kind of skated through with bash, which I felt less intense, but also less bonded in the beginning. And I say that in, in a way that you, you guys, I'm sure understand, like I am, I could not be more bonded to that kid. He is like my little, like, I just adore him so much. But in those early days, I didn't feel that need to cry over the intensity of the love all the time. I loved him. I adored him. I felt bonded to him, but I didn't feel that like, oh my God, you know? And, and I just was really curious how I'd feel with her and her, it was full on again. So baby really hits like those first three to five days. So for me, it was probably like five days in and it can be high highs and low lows. So you're not always like, I cried a ton and I could like be set over the edge, but I could also be set over the edge, just staring at her face and being like, I can't believe she's mine. She's so beautiful. I love her so much. I mean, it would be crying because I was so elated and I could also be crying because like something just so dumb happened or I just felt overwhelmed in a, like from, from zero to 60, from being fine to being so overwhelmed, sobbing. And that's baby blues. Whereas when it crosses over into postpartum depression, there's some pretty serious symptoms that indicate that it's something more. One of them is that it lasts longer. I mean, it's almost like it just like after about two weeks plus a day, I remember being like, it's been two weeks. This should be gone because it usually only lasts a couple weeks. And then like I needed one more day and then I was fine. And now I'm fine. And now things that I'm like, wow, that would have put me over the edge a few days ago. I'm fine. Um, but postpartum depression really dips into you're feeling that all the time. You're feeling low all the time. You're having a hard time bonding with your baby. You're not taking care of yourself in the way that you want to. You're not necessarily like it can be debilitating where you're not able to care for your baby and yourself in the way that you need to. Um, and there are mild and severe versions of that, but it really crosses over into affecting your life on such a fundamental level that that you can't enjoy these days with your baby because the feelings are so intense. And I can't even speak out of personal experience because I haven't actually experienced that level. Um, And so I don't even really feel like I am capable of speaking to what that actually feels like. But I do know that it goes beyond a couple hours a day or a moment or a couple of weeks where you just feel easily overwhelmed, easily put over the edge, like PMS on steroids. I remember, and I don't know if this is something that happens with every pregnancy, just because I've only had one. But when I the first few weeks that I was nursing, it when during those letdowns, I would almost feel high, it was like euphoric for me. And like when you said, Oh, you have these moments where you're so elated and just crying out of love. Do you get that when you nurse at all? Like just like that extreme, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I mean, definitely, there's definitely an oxytocin. Oxytocin? <laughs> you make it a word like me. <laughs> Oxy, yeah, oxytocin rush that happens uh-huh. when you nurse. Um, for me, with Bash and, and um, Teddy, letdown is, is more uncomfortable than it was with Rad. Like, it, it's like a real, like, tightness that kind of has to let go. And then I get intensely thirsty immediately. <laughs> Those are the main things I'm feeling right now. 
Um, but it is true that it, it doesn't matter how tired you are because I'm tired, but when they cry in the night, you still can't wait to pick them up and snuggle them. It's interesting to hear you describe the hormonal shift as like crashes and surges and things like that. Because I always described ha- after having the all my kids, it was like the day after Christmas. It was like, you were so excited and it was so wonderful, but it was like the look forward to was like, you'd just been beyond the big event, like the day after the wedding where you're like, okay, yeah. now I can breathe. But it's yeah. also a little bit of like, oh, I got to wait another year until the next Christmas Eve, you know? So uh, maybe that is, maybe I have experienced baby blues and I don't realize it. Like maybe that is it. Um, I don't remember like crying fits with any of my kids, but I definitely remember like elation surges and almost like manic in a way. Um, So maybe that's some version of that. And honestly, having that, that snow week, as much as I was excited for the snow and I love nothing more than a random awesome snow in Tennessee, but I was only a week into healing. And instead of being like, Oh, I'm going to go run around with my kids. It felt very isolating because already you're, you're isolated anyway, but then like you guys couldn't meet her, you know, and you just feel very like I was, because the boys had way too much energy because they were cooped up in the house and had cabin fever. I mean, their energy was like a little much for me and a little much for the baby. So I just was like holed up in my room a lot with her. And that's where, you know, new motherhood is so many things because it is absolute joy and it is also isolating and can be a struggle in a lot of ways. And I think, um, I think it's important to know that all of those things are perfectly normal and perfectly okay. How is Ty with a little girl? Is he different from like, cause you love him all the same, but I, I know that love is probably different. So how is it for him? Yeah, it's weird. Cause I think for both of us, it does feel different. Just like our boys immediately without any prompting, like all they want is trucks and planes and balls. And, you know, and it remains to be seen like what she's like as a person, because we don't know her in that way yet, but it does feel a little bit different. And I can't even put words to exactly how part of it is maybe she's just so tiny, you know, she's just so teensy. We've never had a baby that teensy, but in terms of how Ty feels, I mean, we have these pictures that he's just like, obviously so clearly enamored. And we had so many people being like, Oh, like that's he what wore a suit. Daddy's girl. Well, he does that with all our kids. He's always done that. It's oh so God. sweet. Cause he wants his kids. He wants to make a good first impression on our kids. But the crazy thing is, I think it was my mom saying, oh, look at how he's looking at her. Like, that's different. And I'm like, no, you got to look at this. And I I just saw it too, though, immediately. I know you said it's like the same with the boys, but I remember seeing that look going, oh my gosh. He did seem so just like over the moon. He is. But I also had to pull up pictures from all of our kids' births. And the truth is that we have pictures like that with all three kids where, you know, my husband is a very sensitive person, you know, he's, he's such a loving dad. And so it's hard for me to say that would be a good question for him, I guess, if it feels different to him. Um, because it did seem like, Oh, look how enamored he is. But then when I look back, I'm like, you've always been that enamored with our babies. What about like at home? Do you feel like how he interacts with her as a little girl opposed to like being, you know, boy, dad, is it any different? I mean, at this point, not, not really. It's really not. I mean, it's, 
the parenting has been very different this time around, but not because of her being a girl. It's because our schedule is completely different. Not so much now that he's back to work, but those first few weeks, I mean, he'd get up with me. First of all, he can stay up a lot later. It used to be that I was so alone during those nights, not that he wouldn't have done anything to help me, but I also felt like it was important for him to get enough sleep to live. He had to go to sleep at like eight. <laughs> yeah. And he would only he would only be able to take like a week off of work. And so that was very hard, you know, because like I'll be like, well, I, I might as well change her. I mean, I've got a nurser anyway, but it was really nice having him be up later with me with her. So the nights don't feel so long and lonely. And then, you know, he would wake up and if she needed a diaper change, he would change her and hand her to me, which it's a tiny, tiny thing, but really meant a ton. So wait, piggybacking a little bit on Kayla's question, what's been the biggest surprise having her versus the boys? Has there been any one thing that you were like, whoa, I did not expect that? Uh, Ty said to me, okay, this is a weird question, but like, how do I, how do I clean these girl parts in the right way? <laughs> John has those questions. He asked me one time, he goes, are you supposed to clean between the folds every diaper change? <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm like, check I mean, the crevices. Sometimes I'm, when I'm changing the boys' diapers, I'm like, there's so much to clean around here. And like, I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be all up in your business here, but there is poop everywhere. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's, it's really, it's not that different. The one thing that has surprised me is that I feel a lot better about what I know about being a mom this third time around, which is surprising to me because I feel like by the time you've had two kids, you're a pretty experienced parent. And I do think there's a big shift from one to two because of exactly what you said, Jen. You just don't know if your heart can do it. And once you know it can, it's a whole new ball game. Like every kid is so different. It doesn't matter. Yeah. All boys, all girls, whatever. Each of those little souls is so individual and so their own person that it, you know, that's one of the reasons that after having Rad and Bash, I'm like, I don't care what, if I have a boy or a girl or whatever, because as soon as you meet that person, they are so uniquely who they are. And so, you know, that, that to me is the biggest thing. And then having her come along, you know, the main difference for me is like, wow, I really feel more relaxed. I really feel like I know what I'm doing. Now, these babies, these second two babies of mine are much closer together in age, which might be a factor. Whereas I had a good five-year gap between Rad and Bash, and I just felt like I was starting over again and that I'd forgotten everything. But I just feel relaxed in a way that I feel like I'm, I know what I'm doing on a different level. A friend of mine, um, one of my closest friends, um, sent me a text last night and she was just reaching out and, and saying, you know, I know three is a lot, but by the time, and she has three precious boys, she's like, I know three is a lot, but, uh, the third time around, I just really felt like I knew what I was doing. And now he is like my best friend. <laughs> and I was like, that's the sweetest thing you could possibly say, because it's true. You're like so much more chill. You know, you, you're not, obviously you can get freaked out like we did in the hospital. Things can feel brand new in a lot of ways um, and new things can come up, but just the overall being able to lean into motherhood in a different way. Not that I'm saying everybody has to do that three times to feel that way, but that's how it's been for me. I'm like, whoa, I really felt like I knew what I was doing. <laughs> and, well, 
they also like totally outnumber you when you have three because yeah. I feel like when you have two, you know, man you can on almost man. <laughs> yeah, and you can almost pretend that like okay, Ty has both of them, so now I'm like kidless, kidless for a minute. But giving one person more than two because they only have two hands is like a feat anyway. Yeah. So it almost feels like when you have three, you always have one. Even if Ty's got like both boys, all of a sudden the time for just you or just him feels so much more shrunk. Yeah. I said to Ty <laughs> a couple nights ago, how do you ever go away without kids once you have three children? Because it just feels like right now, and I know this will change and we'll find our new normal, but right now it feels like a lot for us to juggle where we're kind of ships in the night and trying to find those moments where we have a conversation. And usually that's at night when the boys are in bed and then that's usually his cuddle time with baby girl. And he's like snuggling her while we're watching a show or I'm trying to grab an hour of sleep. My parents are so amazing and so capable, but like my dad was here. He was, he got snowed in with us and he was here for two weeks and my boys just wore him out and he plays hard. Like he will be all in on, you know, games and puzzles and whatever you can do with them. But honestly, you know, there's not a whole lot of places to take kids right now. And so when you're cooped up in the house with kids, it is exhausting. And so I'm like, how would we then hand him another child to go away for a few days? Um, and, and then we're like, how does a babysitter do it? How does anyone do it? If it's hard for you as parents to handle three kids, how do you ever have someone else do it? Not to mention single parents who do it with three or more children. Now that is, that is a totally different ball of wax. That is like another world in and of itself, but babysitters, nannies, grandparents, I swear our kids act far better for them than they do for us. And I think that's how I prefer it. If you're going to be a little ass hat, you're going to do it at home. Not, <laughs> not for other Wasn't people. there an article that was just shared that your kids are like behave the worst around mom, their moms or something. I think that's I was like, well, that's their safe space. Like if they're going to have a meltdown, like they are going to have it in front of your comfortable people. You know, my worst in front of them. It's only fair. Right. I totally like, agree. That's the kind of the, how we are with our spouses. Like our spouses see the ugly part of us. Cause if we are going to have to lash out, like that's our comfort zone to do it. So that's what you do with family. That's kids. why you sometimes argue or have tension with family and then it's fine because so, unconditional love, you can, you can be at your worst and still be loved yeah. and somebody knows who you are. So if we get in an argument, it's because we're that close. That's right. right. That's what we all have to tell ourselves. (laughs) I love you enough to be pissed at you. (laughs) I love you enough to fight with you. Otherwise, I guess that's actually a very valid thing because if you didn't care, you just walk away. You wouldn't say anything. It wouldn't matter enough. I just had this happen actually yesterday. Someone randomly reached out and um, was talking to me about her birthday that she, she does big birthdays every year. And she wanted to do this big Napa trip. And I was like, that's just out of my cards right now. Like, I'm so sorry. I, that sounds like so much fun, but there is no way I will be able to go to Napa this summer. And she was like, Oh, and she's like, well, and she started and like, she doesn't have any kids and she's single and like has no, which I know she wasn't trying to come from like ill intentions or anything, but she was trying to give me parenting advice on how it would be good for Jonathan to bond with Loxley if I left her there. And it's like a friend that like, I really like him, you know, but like we've kind of like lost touch. And I was just like, I'm not even going to fight with you. Like I'm just like, okay, sorry. I can't make oh, it. It's a different life space, you know? Yeah. And honestly, that's so individual for every parent. Um, I know some parents who are ready to have little getaways from their their babies early on. And it also, you have to factor in whether you're exclusively nursing. And 
how much you want to yep. pump while you're away, yes. and how much you want to leave for a baby. There's so many factors. So I think it's yes. just about respecting different life spaces than anything. Exactly. I know there's a lot of people that like they can leave a six month old, a two month old. Like there, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just how we have parented this past year has not set us up for that. So yeah, your, your whole parenting journey has been during a pandemic, Kayla. So yeah. I think you'll find a few things. One is that when the world feels a little bit more back to normal, where travel is more of a thing, where yeah. socializing is more of a thing. You are a very social person. You oh, I miss had, traveling. You would have had more sitters, more help, more mm-hmm. friends, more family. More play dates, more everything. Yep. And instead, you have been very isolated. So that's all you're accustomed to as a mom. And, <laughs> yeah. And rightly so, because you've been protective of your family. But, you know, I have friends when I was living in New York, I had friends who literally hadn't gone on a date with their spouse in the first two years of their kid being born because they just didn't feel ready. We haven't been out together without Loxley a single time. Like we Okay, well, you're going to have to fix that. You're going to have to bring her to my house and go to the goat and have a meal or something, just the two of you. (laughs) Because like when we haven't left Evelyn overnight, you know, and she's almost three. So I... I get it. It's, it's rough, but the evening thing we can, we can fix, we can address that. (laughs) First time I left rad to go just on a double date with my sister and her husband and a friend watched our kids. Um, he was like two and a half months old and the sitter called me and he was crying. It turned out it was just an issue with the milk temperature. So it wasn't a big deal, but he was just crying on the phone and he was a kid who barely cried. And I was wrecked and almost left. And I didn't. I had these visions of the most awful things happening while I was gone. You My know? nanny ghosted me. I oh, that's right. Yeah. You tried. You tried. Mama tried. None of those things are easy, you know, and especially during this kind of time, it's even harder to let go of that full control of what your baby's doing at all times. Like when Bash was maybe five months old, I went out to LA for two days. I just did a quick turnaround for like a work slash a friend's birthday, big birthday party. And it was hard. I was pumping a ton. And I you wore those hot like disco shorts. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was a it was a Studio 54 party. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, it was good for me, too, though. It was it's also healthy, I think, too. Oh, I I think I'm overdue for it. I just know that, like, we would have to adjust some scheduling in order for that to be feasible at all. And I can't see myself adjusting the schedule right now because there's nothing pressing that I need to do it. One day we're going to go in the podcast studio together, record a podcast, and then go get drinks and dinner afterwards. It's going to happen. It's It's been a year since we did that. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Uh, I'm missing getting out of the house. Like I was talking with John and I were trying to plan a vacation. We're going to Florida in a couple weeks. And I was saying – it feels like such a big trip when I'm the person that like took myself to Scotland and Israel and I would, you know, just travel wherever I'd fly to Colorado, fly to Texas, drive to California. I'm, I miss that so much. And so it's, it's funny, like just how much this world has changed in the past year. Um, and with- also your world though, cause this is going to be, aside from going to Ohio, this will be the first trip where you're not going to family where you yeah. have support. It's like you're packing and going someplace where you have to take everything you need yeah. and pack. We got the Duna stroller. Corey, you changed my life with that thing. <laughs> it is awesome. I don't know if Jen, I don't know if you told, I told you we got the Duna. 
No, Kayla told me she bought it from a friend, but I didn't know that. That's great. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it's, it's awesome. So now we have like an extra, extra infant car seat that I'm sure we'll end up using too, but, um, but the Duna is awesome. And I also went, I had my follow-up doctor's appointment. It got delayed. I was supposed to do a a two week incision, incision check. And instead I did a three week and my doctor's like, you don't need to come back. And then he goes, uh, yeah, you know, everything's really fine. And I said, okay, well, what about any restrictions? And he's like, I would just like, just don't do crunches. <laughs> I mean, if anybody was, I guess it would be me that was going to, but also I know better because of ab separation and, and whatever. And this is your third time getting cut open. But, you know, every time it does surprise me how much your body is so weird right after you have a baby. And it, as you guys know me, I'm the first one to tell people you got to give it time. You can be in the best shape of your life after kids. Don't let anybody tell you differently. And you just have to take care of yourself. But sometimes it's the hardest advice to give to yourself. I mean, this time my, my C-section incision, it's a little bit bigger and it's like, looks even more indented. And it literally looks like I just have like skin just hanging over it. And so as somebody who like worked really hard to be fit, it's such a hard thing to be like, oh my God, like what is this belly? And then I also on an intellectual level, know it's swelling, it's skin, it's some baby fat. It's all of those things that literally take months, but no one really tells you you have to give it months. So for any new mamas out there who are like, whose body is this? You need to give it a good four to six months before you even start to feel like you're in your body again. And that's like, just the start. So that's just my little PSA. Well, I'm 10 months out and I weigh like just as much now as I did when I left the hospital and I just haven't gotten back and it, but we also want another kid. And so it's, it's so weird. Like, so just like, even if it's beyond four to six months, like give yourself like some grace. Kayla, you and I were having this conversation of the, the way I was with rad is I didn't lose all the baby weight until I weaned. And I think a lot of women are like that. I think it's 50, 50, you know, some women get, and I was different with, uh, with rad. I held on to probably seven or eight pounds at least until I weaned around a year and a half. And then with, um, bash, I lost weight quickly and I don't know what the difference was. And I don't know how this one's going to go. Um, but I think you have to give yourself so much more time and then you immediately feel like, well, the baby's out, but like everything is squishy and, <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my gosh, look at those cheeks and that baby stretch. Oh, I love that so much. She's also gaining weight like a champ. Uh, Did you see that thing of princess Eugenie and her husband? Um, I don't know what his name is post birth she stood up and they were introducing their baby and she looked like a normal woman, you know, like yeah. just a couple yeah. days postpartum. And she got so much awesome attention for that because people are like, thank you finally for showing us what a real postpartum body looks like. I've actually been documenting what my body looks like so that we can share it. Um, Cause I think it's important. Some of these I look at and I'm like, I can't believe that's my body. But then also like I grew this entire person in my body and then I had major abdominal surgery. And even if you didn't have surgery, I mean, your body's just gone through so much. So this expectation of like Instagram influencers who show their belly, you know, a week after giving birth and they look like they did. I mean, if yeah, that's, that's you, cool. then, then, then kudos, but that's not the norm. 
Yeah, no, it's even not. People, and I guess my point is like, even for people that are into fitness and, and health and all of that stuff, um, it's true anyway. You know, it just doesn't matter. I do think you can get fit again faster if you have a good baseline of healthy behavior and muscle tone and all that kind of stuff. But I have been documenting. I took like a picture like a day or two after I came home from the hospital and I still look six months pregnant or something, but just with a jelly belly. Like that's just, it's just skin and fluid. And then I took one at a week and two weeks and then I'm going to do one next week when it'll be four weeks. And I'm going to share that because I just feel like it's important to keep it real about that, you know? Oh, he's smiling. Aww. Oh my goodness. So oh my Courtney, gosh. What's the verdict? Are you going to keep her? Oh, I'm keeping her. And she's definitely our last. I mean, my doctor, <laughs> my, my doctor was like grilling me on birth control because after the surgery, he said, everything went great. Everything looks good. But your uterus did look a little bit thin. And so he's like, I would recommend no more C-sections. He's like, not to say that like, he's like, if you, if you told me you wanted to have three more babies, I'd say that's probably not a good idea. And I was like, oh no, no. Oh, well, we've missed you. We can't wait to have you back for real in a couple weeks. Okay. So we all know from our collective eight birth experiences that you can fall in love at first sight with a newborn. But the question is, could you fall in love with a stranger? Next week on the podcast, we have Danielle Dodd from Lifetime's Married at First Sight coming on to talk all about her incredible love story with her husband, Bobby, and her two amazing birth stories. Thank you guys for listening. If you haven't subscribed yet to our podcast, please go ahead and do that. And if you have a moment, we would love it if you could take time to give us a review. Um, also, come say hi to us on our socials on Instagram and Facebook at Hi My Name Is Mom Official. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye, girls. Your name is Mom.